0: You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. You guys, I'm so excited about my new sponsor because these people are very near and dear to my heart. They've been one of my main clients, if not my main client for like over the past 10 years. I'm talking of course about Twisties and they're sponsoring my podcast now and I'm so thrilled. If you didn't know, Twisties is the ultimate site for lesbian and girl-girl scenes. It explores your deepest, and sexiest fantasies i've been producing for twisties for years like i said and honestly i can say it's some of the work i have been the most proud of and the most excited to share with the world twisties has been creating the hottest glamour porn for over 18 years with the top names in the industry now exclusively streaming girl girl content their scenes showcase the most recognizable models working with the best fresh faces making waves in adult entertainment Twisty's Treat of the Months feature exclusive content and videos produced by me, highlighting the hottest girls of the moment, letting them show off what makes them so addicting. Treat of the Months have included Gina Valentina, Alina Lopez, Emily Willis, Desiree Dolce, Demi Sutra, and Twisty's current Treat of the Year, Molly Stewart. To unwrap the hottest treats and mouthwatering scenes, visit twisties.com or you can find them on Twitter at twisties, and on Instagram, at Treats. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. and unfiltered. Today's episode is with personal content creator, YouTuber, and soon-to-be mom, Lena the Plug. I was excited to have Lena on because not only is she a big influence in the sex worker YouTube world, which is something that... Obviously, I have a lot invested in, considering that my YouTube channel is a big part of my podcast, but also the fact that she's literally a week behind me in her pregnancy. So we're pretty much on the same trajectory and do with our daughters at almost the exact same time. So I thought it would be really fun to have her come on. We can complain about our pregnancies together and, you know, how difficult it has been and rewarding too, of course. Uh, We're both going to be first-time moms, but also too about what it's like to be an independent content creator, which is so important in today's quarantine world and just with everything that's going on right now with um, all the drama around the personal content platforms. And yes, we do talk about OnlyFans and Bella Thorne and all that stuff, but it's also really interesting to me to talk to people about trying to balance motherhood and a career in the adult industry. Most of you know that my mother is Suze Randall, and I was kind of raised around the adult industry. She wasn't a performer, but she was a photographer and a director. So I always find this to be an interesting discussion because I personally feel like I turned out okay. And I think that there's a big misconception in society that you can't work in porn and be a good parent at the same time. And I like to dispel that myth because I think it's frankly bullshit. So... Let's welcome Lena The Plug to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. I am absolutely thrilled to have a guest on today who is one of the few women that I know who feels all of my pain at the moment. <laughs> and that is letter the plug because she is also pretty much exactly just as pregnant as I am. <laughs> Look at that baby bump. That's so cute. <sighs> it's,
1: a it's a lot.
0: It's a lot, right? Lot to carry around. Are your ribs in any pain yet? So not necessarily in pain, but she does now at the point, she's starting to stretch her foot out and she'll push into my ribs sometimes, but she doesn't, like leave her foot there. So yeah, she's actually, yeah, she's dropped a lot. So now like she's really like pushing on my pelvis and on my bladder. So you have to pee
1: even more often than you already had to.
0: Exactly. And like, I don't really have to pee. Like there's nothing.
1: Oh yeah. It's like, it's just a constant, like, I always feel like I have to go to the bathroom a little bit. Yes. Constantly. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, and then, you know, like I pretty much waddle now. So. (laughs) <laughs> which oh,
1: I'll be there soon.
0: Which my husband finds hilarious. He will no longer let me say like, oh, let's go for a walk. It's like, oh, let's go for a waddle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, how many weeks are you?
1: I'm 32 weeks. So am I one week behind you?
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. 33 weeks. I know, it's crazy, right? little
1: porn set babies.
0: I know, (laughs) I know. I remember um, when I saw you make your announcement, I was like, oh my God, like that's, we're exactly the same. I actually reached out to uh, your boyfriend, Adam, because- (laughs) As you know, uh I wanted to ask him about like the multi-channel network that I signed with that he's with as well. So I wanted to ask his advice. Mm-hmm. And um and he yeah, mentioned, you know, you guys were really excited and I told him congratulations. And then I was like, God, I should have her on my show because like, you know, we're so close in pregnancy and obviously we work in the same industry and oh, yeah, in common. It's great. Yeah. So thank you so much, thank you for coming. Um So you're a very successful, I know you don't, I don't think you specifically have a podcast, but you have a very successful YouTube channel, right? Do you have a podcast? No, I don't have a YouTube channel. I just,
1: I just don't know if it's very successful, but it's, it's
0: popular. Well, I mean, okay. So compared to mine, which is by what I measure all things in life is Uh how well are they doing compared to me? uh, You are doing really well. How many subscribers do you have right now?
1: I have one and a half million, but yeah, I said I would make a sex tape if I got a million subscribers. So I have a lot of subscribers because of that, but they're not necessarily like my fans.
0: So that's the secret. Yeah. I <laughs> I just hit 80,000 and um, I'm really like excited to get to a hundred. I mean, I definitely want to get to a million one day, but it's it's slow going. But
1: so. the cool thing is that everyone who subscribes to you is subscribed to you because they really want to see your content versus like, I have a ton of subscribers, but there's like a maybe 10% of them who want to watch my videos, but it's fine. I don't,
0: You know what though? I don't know because I was actually looking at some of your vlogs where you talk about like your pregnancy journey and mm-hmm. everything. And a lot of your fans seem to be really engaged in your personal life. And you seem to have a lot of female fans.
1: Yeah, I actually do. Like in the beginning, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of female fans. And then now it's like 50, 50 on some videos. And sometimes depending on the content, like a lot of baby stuff is like 80, 20 for more yeah. girls, which is just unbelievable. Cause my Instagram numbers aren't like that. It's like very heavily male audience.
0: Yeah. My, my statistics on both are pretty much exactly the same. It's like a 96% men. Oh, wow. On my Instagram and on my YouTube. Wow. So like my hi, pregnancy. Hi boys. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, my pregnancy vlogs don't get, don't get much, um, attention, but that's okay. I mean, people interested are interested in pregnancy. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, people are here to see, you know, like people like you, like the people that I interview has nothing to do really yes. with me. I mean, if anything, some, the one feedback I get is like, Holly, shut up. <laughs>
1: Oh, guest talk! I want to hear about you. I don't know much about you, so I'm very curious. wow.
0: My favorite <laughs> subject. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, feel if you have any questions for me, feel free to throw them in there. But we are we are here to talk about you. Okay, fine. And to complain together about um about our pregnancy. So <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So maybe let's uh let's actually let's start with um, your pregnancy, because I know that you and Adam were trying, Mm -hmm. um, and saying that you really wanted. My husband and I were just kind of like, we couldn't really make up our mind and decide if, if we wanted to go there. So we just kind of left it up to the universe and obviously the universe decided, and I'm significantly older than you. So I clearly waited a long time.
1: And you got pregnant naturally. That's awesome. That's the universe wanted you to get pregnant and have a
0: baby. So that's Exactly how I feel. And honestly, looking back now, I really feel like for me, this was the best timing because I was able to like have my twenties, have my thirties, build a career, go through all the bullshit that I had to go through, go through like fucking rehab and all that nonsense. Um, so you know, I'm finally like in a good place that like, it feels grown and wise now. Exactly. So how was it for you? Like, have you always wanted to have kids or is this something? Okay.
1: Always like
0: I th- when I was a kid, I
1: think I was really obsessed with Seventh Heaven, and there's like tons of kids in that family. And I was okay. like, I want that. I don't quite think that I want that anymore. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll see how many kids I end up having. But I always wanted kids. I've always like even even when I'm just around like a group of girlfriends, like I feel like I'm constantly like momming everyone. And, like, did you did you get your jacket? Like, is everything okay? Do you need anything? And I've just always had that like motherly instinct in me and I've, I've always wanted kids. And so last year on Halloween, Adam and I took his nephews trick-or-treating and, you know, everyone's out partying and they're going to go get drunk and whatever. And we're driving home for trick-or-treating at like 7 p.m. And we're like, why aren't we just having babies since we're choosing to be like boring and staying in on Halloween night anyways? And so we're actually due that same week the next year. We're due the week of Halloween. So
0: that's so cool. Yeah. So obviously, it's something that it wasn't like a situation where you had to like convince Adam to like have kids. Like he no. wanted them as much as you did. So yeah. you guys were on the same page from the beginning. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think he is the one who brought it up that day. Like, well, why why don't we, why don't we have kids? I
0: mean, we we had talked about it before, and
1: we had talked about it as something in like a few years sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But then it's kind of like, what's really stopping you from? doing it now was, was how we
0: felt. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And how do you feel about being pregnant during, I mean, obviously this COVID thing came up, which nobody foresaw. And how do you feel about being pregnant during quarantine? Do you think like it's an, ad, there's some advantages, some disadvantages?
1: I think, yeah, for sure. Advantages and disadvantages. I mean, I got pregnant in February and I had this plan. I was going to make all this content before I took a few months off, yada yada yada, and then pretty, and then March, everyone went into lockdown. So obviously things didn't work out that way. But I'm not happy that there's a pandemic. However, I don't feel like I'm missing out on much during my pregnancy because there is less going on, and so yeah, I think
0: that's it. That's that's literally exactly how I feel. It's kind of a the
1: time where you're supposed to stay home and just take care of yourself and, you know, be mellow. And so what, what better time to be pregnant than that time, I guess.
0: Yeah. I do feel like in a way it is fortunate because, um, I work so much and, Mm -hmm. you know, I work like on set, like as a director and photographer and I'm on my feet and I just, I would have worked all through those early months and just all the stress and everything. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of forced me to slow down, which, I'm not good at doing on my own. So um, I do feel like in a way it it is a good thing. And same as what you're saying, like I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything because there's nothing going on.
1: There's not like, I mean, I I was bummed that I didn't get to do some like last travels that I wanted to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Adam and I want to go away for a week somewhere, but I'm like, well, I don't really feel comfortable going anywhere. So that's kind of a bummer is not being able to go travel at all. But you know, what can you do?
0: Yeah. And you guys are fortunate too, that both of you have careers where you can work like remotely from home and pretty much always have, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, we've been spending a lot more time together too, like just Mm -hmm. because he's been working from home more and I'm at home anyway. So that's another benefit, I guess, of being pregnant during the pandemic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What? um, How do you feel about becoming a mom? Are you scared? Are you excited? Like mixture of both? So I've never been scared
1: to become a mom, but the one thing that is scaring me is that the last, you know, seven months have been so relaxing because there has been less going on and I've had a really, really easy pregnancy, um, slept eight, nine hours a night every night and then all of a sudden everything's going to change and I think that's what I'm scared of is just like the shock and the transition of having my life sort of disrupted because it's been so relaxed. But, I mean, it's it's nothing that scary. I'll have to get used to it.
0: I, I know how you feel. I've also had an incredibly easy pregnancy. It had no morning sickness. Mm-hmm. I felt great. I had good energy. Um, I was in a great mood. And then all of a sudden, at about seven months, I started to become very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and started to really feel the weight of the pregnancy and like not be able to do the things that I normally do, like not be able to, cause I, we have a Peloton. So I spin at uh-huh. home because like there's so many, you know, like walking is hard now. I went on an hour walk today and it's fucking like your stomach. Well, you have like, to pee as soon as you start walking. Cause it's just
1: bouncing onto your bladder over and I over know. again. I do I the walks and I'm like, okay, we have to go back home. I have to pee. <laughs>
0: yeah, have you tried the maternity? Have you gotten a maternity belt? Because I have that, like no. that belt. That- so there's a belt that like holds your belly up. Okay. Um, and that's super helpful. Like I can't go on walks without it.
1: I'm gonna have to go on Amazon right after this and get one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Get it's like called a belly bra.
1: Belly bra. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down because. Yeah. I have like, I keep toilet paper in my car and my purse. I'm just so scared that I'm going to really have to pee somewhere and be in trouble.
0: (laughs) I know. I know I know exactly how you feel. Um, But yeah, it's just started to like take its toll where now like my hips hurt and like my legs have started to ache and, and I'm, and I feel like I can't move as much as I could. And, and I actually did a couple of shoots in the last few months and you know, I just tried to do what I normally do work 12 hours on set uh-huh. and be on my feet all day. And then like, I thought I was going to die afterwards. And I just got really frustrated with myself because I feel feeble. Yeah. And I, it angers me. Do you, do you feel the same? Yeah. Way? It's hard to cut yourself slack. Cause you're like, you know what
1: you're capable of and right. you know, being pregnant is not a handicap. And so when you have any sort of feeling of like, oh, this is really hard. You kind of try to tell, self, tell yourself like, no, this is easy. Like everyone does this. I can do this. There's, you know, there's pregnant Olympic weightlifters and all these sort of things. And then I had the same thing where I, I was like on a, did a six hour shoot day on Saturday. And I swear it took me like two hours, two days to recover. Mm-hmm. I just felt so tired. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah.
0: Same. And do you have it? Like you seem like you kind of might have like a type a personality, like really strong work ethic.
1: Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't like to cut myself slack. I'm like, you you can do this. You've done this before. You can do it again.
0: Yeah, same. I'm I'm very much like, no excuses. Like, stop making excuses. Like, shut up. Yeah. Stop whining. But, you know, like, I really do need help getting off the couch now.
1: Yeah. If it was up to my family, I'd be on, like, bed rest for the whole nine months. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm, like, driving them crazy. Are
0: you still working out?
1: Um, I work. I mean, my workouts are, like... Nothing like they used to be, but I see my trainer like three times a week and then I go walking like three or four times a week outside of that. So
0: that's pretty good though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, same. Like I do the Peloton two to three times a week. I go for an hour long walk um, about twice a week. I have a private yoga instructor that I see once a week. Um, But I, yeah, my workouts are nothing like what they were. And I feel like such, I just feel so weak weak and kind of lazy, but most people don't... A lot of people don't exercise at all when they're pregnant.
1: I mean, I'm doing all the walking because I want my labor to be easy, you know? I I enjoy walking, but it's like a trillion degrees outside. I would rather not walk, but I'm I'm doing it because I'm hoping this baby will just slide right out of me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how are you... uh, How do you feel about the labor? I've been taking birthing classes, and I feel like, no, I'm... I I know I don't know much about that. Is I that just like when they first me? One
1: and it's like really hippy dippy. And I like, I, I just like couldn't get into it. I had to do like a visualization exercise where like my, I mean, she, my teacher teaches yoga too. So she was like guiding me through a visualization of the day that I was going into labor. And I just like wanted to start bursting out laughing. Like I, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't take it seriously, but I would love to know what classes you're
0: taking because I feel like I need something. So we started taking, <laughs> so I've been taking a birthing class called a uh, supported birth. And so I, I'm very lucky because my sister-in-law who lives in the guest house right behind me. So my sister, and my brother, my sister-in-law and my brother um, just had a baby like two and a half months ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm literally just doing whatever she did. Yeah. Like I, I've read no books. I've done no research just and I'm just her. like, just ask her. Cause she's one of those like super Focus. Type A. Like reads everything. Yeah. All of this. So I'm just like whatever she says. Like my doctor is her doctor. My pediatrician is gonna be, I just do everything that she does. That's easy. Um, That's great. So I took these birthing classes, which I just finished last week, and they were great in the sense that, like, you know, they give you a lot of information. Like there were so many things about labor that I, you you know, in the movies you see like the woman's water breaks and she like jumps Screaming. in the car screaming, like the ambulance, like the police give her an escort to the hospital. It she all happens so it. fast. Right. And then you hear these stories about like, I was in labor for 36 hours. And you just imagine somebody like screaming for 36 <sighs> hours in the hospital bed, right? It's not like that at all. So like the first stage of labor, which can be up for 24 hours is is very mild. And it's almost just like having period cramps and you can work, you can walk around, you You can sleep. sleep. yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's very, very mild. And so you obviously wait until contractions are closer together and like longer. And then you get into the second stage of labor and then you can go to the hospital. And then generally you're in the hospital for, I mean, it's so different for everybody, but it's, you know, if you can ride out like full almost 24 hours at home, then you'll only be at the hospital for like a day or mm-hmm. less than that, something like that. So ideally that's how it would go. Now, of course, if you get induced, which, um, they, they want to do for me because of my advanced age. Mm. Um, cause I'm going to be 42 on Saturday. Okay. And, um, uh, do you know that they call my pregnancy a geriatric pregnancy? What? <laughs> oh my god i know. i'm so sorry they're doing that to you because that is. i so am very sorry so too unfair. i was like you don't have a better name they're like yeah so you're in a geriatric pregnancy i'm like fuck off it's <laughs> so rude so rude <laughs> wow
1: so they're gonna in- yeah. so you'll know the day that you're potentially gonna have your baby's birthday because they're gonna induce
0: you Yes. So if I don't give birth by my due date, they will induce me. They will not let women of my age go past my due date. Wow.
1: my So I have a, a doula and a midwife and I'm going to try to do it at home. And mm-hmm. my doula, and she gave me my birthing lesson said that on average, first time moms go into labor at 41 weeks and five days,
0: mm-hmm. something around yeah. there. So yeah, your first child is generally slower to come mm-hmm. and later but they don't, they don't want, they won't let you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I will probably get induced, which I don't want, but
1: I want the baby to come at 37 weeks, right. When it's like full
0: term so that I don't have to push a big head out. (laughs) I know that's how (laughs) I feel too. What size is your baby?
1: Uh, on, on that, what to expect app? I think it's like a cantaloupe, but do you mean like in my womb? What size is it right now?
0: Yeah, like have they- I have haven't done an ultrasound resume?
1: in like three months because I've been going to a midwife. So I actually
0: don't uh, know. Okay. So okay.
1: I'm going to do one maybe in a couple of weeks just to make sure the baby's uh, not breech. But right. I have no idea. I was a six, six pound, pound baby. Yeah. So we'll see how big the baby will be.
0: Yeah, I've been going to the doctor and the last ultrasound they did, they said that she's in the 82 percentile. So she's bigger than 82% of babies. Oh. Yeah. My vagina is never going to be the same.
1: Oh, my God. I'm praying for no tearing.
0: Have you started stretching your perineum yet?
1: No. Oh,
0: <laughs> I know. I haven't either. Do you, I have do the you oil, I, but
1: do you just massage it? Is that what you're going to
0: do? Yeah. So basically, like, you stick your fingers in your vagina oh. and then, you, like, you hook it And you find this spot, it's because it's the place between your anus and Okay, it's like the
1: opposite of the G-spot.
0: Yeah, and then you just like push it and like stretch it and it's like not comfortable. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but that's supposedly the best thing to do so that um you don't tear. And then usually while you're giving birth, like the nurse will do that for you. So they'll just finger bang you. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm
1: like, I, I think in the beginning I was really nervous. I started watching as many birth videos as I could find on Instagram to kind of normalize it, make it seem less foreign, make it seem less scary. And then I'm having my birthing lesson last week and I'm trying, you know, I'm being given all these tools to relax and let go. And I'm thinking this is going to be scary as shit and it's going to fucking hurt. There's no way I'm going to relax. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I yeah, we so the birthing classes as great as they've been in, you know, to get give us information, um it's also been like terrifying. My husband has enjoyed it more than me because he's like, okay, he likes to be armed with information, uh-huh. you know, like he likes to know what's going to happen so he can kind of like, problem solve. I am more, I think, like an ignorance is bliss in this situation. So I wasn't really freaked out about the labor until I started taking these classes and then learning all the things that could go wrong. And now I'm like, and now I'm just like, I'm totally free. I mean, we've seen some terrible birthing videos. Really? We saw one. Yeah. Like we saw one where this woman was like giving birth at home and then like the baby's head is crowning and she starts screaming. She's like, get it out. Get it out. And we were just like, Oh no. Horrified.
1: (laughs) Oh my God.
0: And then, um, and then we did, uh, And then our last birthing class was just this past weekend. And actually this is funny because my uh, birthing teacher totally outed me. Um, So we're watching like, and we were watching like the most graphic birthing video we've ever seen. Like they show the baby coming out and then they show the placenta coming out and all the blood that comes Uh with it, which is just like so much. And so our teacher is asking us like, how do you guys feel about, you know, how do you feel about that video? And everyone's like, Oh my God, that was like a horror movie. And she's like, "Holly, I'm interested to know how you feel." And I was like, and you know, great, I haven't told anyone what I do for a living. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm just another woman given birth in this class. Um and she's like, "Holly, I'm interested to know how you are." I'm like, "Yeah, that was really graphic. That was a lot." She goes, "Well, I'm surprised that you feel that way because you photograph vaginas for a living." <laughs> it doesn't mean And I was like, "Organs coming out of them." <laughs> That's what I said, and I was like, Well, I mean, they're generally better groomed and better lit, yeah, and I said, and I also uh, for the most part, I photograph things going in vaginas, not coming out of vaginas, yeah, <laughs> and then there's like this really straight laced lawyer couple that's one that's on there, and they're like, Do you photograph vaginas for a living? And I was like, Okay, <laughs> now you have to what say I everything. do and <laughs> now I touch you porn, and yes. That's what I do. So just fucking Google me and satiate your curiosity. Oh my goodness. I love that your teacher did
1: that. Like, well, this shouldn't be weird to you. You do weird stuff already.
0: I know. (laughs) And I never, and I never told her. So she Googled me and, and found out, but I mean, at least she waited to the last. She was waiting for the moment where she could finally
1: say, Holly, this is your expertise. Are you prepared?
0: (laughs) (laughs) so so you're giving birth so you're going to a birthing center you're not going to a hospital i'm gonna be at home you're gonna do it at home yeah so
1: for me i'll have to learn my my birth lessons will be like when is the moment that i should call in for help because Mm -hmm. you know i know that you can have contractions for days and you're still in early labor and you might be one centimeter dilated and
0: Mm -hmm. yada yada
1: yada so i don't want to call my like squad of women over if they're not supposed to be here yet. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: So then you definitely, unless something goes wrong and you have to go to the hospital, you're not going to be getting an epidural. You're going to do the full natural birth.
1: Yeah. My mom didn't get an epidural for me and my sister, even though she birthed in the hospital. So I'm trying to like channel her strengths, but yeah, I'm sure I'm going to be regretting it in the moment.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I again, I think I've been trying to like liken my experience to everybody else's. So I'm like, uh-huh. oh, this person had this experience, so mine oh, will be sorry, like hers. This person this, like, had everything. this experience. That's fine. <laughs> so I'll be like her. Um, and I think we just have to accept the fact that like we're all going to have entirely different experiences mm-hmm. and like whatever experience. Yours is going to be the end results going to be the same. You're going to have a beautiful girl, right? You're having a girl. Yeah, we're having girls. I know. Yeah. So crazy. Um, so I want to ask you about how you're feeling about raising a child working in the adult industry, but first we're going to go to a commercial break oh. and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about her success on only fans and so much more. So hang on guys. We'll be right back. At MyBookie, it's winning season, which means NFL football is back, and it's time to take advantage of all of the action. Free bets, super contests, survivor streaks, and deposit matches, all for those who dare to put their money where their mouth is. The MyBookie survivor streak is open for business and accepting all challenges, because not only do you need to have bragging rights, but you also need to bring home the bacon. With MyBookie, you can choose from thousands of bets on your favorite sports like MLB, NFL, and NBA, as well as odds on your favorite teams and players. If you sign up with MyBookie right now, they will match your deposits dollar for dollar. Every cent up to $1,000 gets put right back into your account. Just make sure that you use my code HOLLY to claim the special bonus. Winning season is here, and it's only at MyBookie. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Care of Vitamins. They are one of my longest running sponsors and you know what? I am still so in love with care of vitamins and how easy they make it for me to get the supplements that I need. And now their new line, the skin plus hair collection helps you work on your beauty goals from all angles with a combination of targeted ingredients for hair, skin, and nails care of is super transparent about the research and sourcing behind every one of their products. And there's extensive info available on their website. Simply put, CareUbs products are formulated with good for you, clean ingredients that are backed by science. To get your hands on the vitamins that your body specifically needs, all you have to do is visit their website and take their easy five-minute online quiz, and you'll get supplements tailored to your lifestyle when it comes to diet, exercise, sleeping habits, and personal goals. Then you get your order shipped right to you with easy daily vitamin packets that you can grab and take on the go. It literally couldn't be simpler to get back on track to a healthier you. Go to Take Care of.com and use my code Holly50 to get fifty percent off your first order. That's TakeCareOf.com and use code Holly50 to get your first order half off. Take care of your body with Care of Vitamins. All right, so we're back. So, Lena, you uh, you are a sex worker. Yes. You work in the adult industry. I do. Um, so, how do you feel about? Becoming a mom in in the field that you work in. Do you have trepidation about it? Do you have anything you're gonna change about how you work? Are you worried about how you're gonna talk to your kid about it one day?
1: I think in the beginning it'll be a lot easier, you know, like when you're before your kids two, they don't tend mm-hmm. to remember a lot of things. But that being said, it's not like I'm gonna shoot at home. So I think that'll be like a big change from the beginning, is that you know, I'll have to hire someone for help and I'll I'll have to figure out my shoot dates. Like right now I'm really loose or before pregnancy, I was really loose with shooting. If if a girl wanted to cancel and shoot the next day, it was like a really easy thing for me. But I think when I become a mom, in order to keep my affairs in order and my mom life and my work life really separate, I'll have to just be more like on top of my schedule and stuff like that. Um, And I wonder if by the time my kid is like, old enough to talk and ask questions if I'll still be doing this. Cause I mean, from the beginning, I just never thought it would last even two months or three months. I thought this is a weird hack. I got really lucky. made all this money for almost no reason. And then, you know, four years later I'm still doing it and I still can't believe it sometimes. So who knows what will happen in a couple of years. Uh, but all that being said, I just plan to raise my kid to be really, really open-minded and hope that, you know, this doesn't bother them because I mean, I was raised really, like raised around people who are a lot more closed-minded than I am. And I still manage to be an open-minded person who, you know, has the opinions that I do. So we'll see. It could backfire. Who knows? <laughs> but I mean, you are the kid of a family in the porn industry, right? So mm-hmm. how was it for you? Oh, boy, you're going to talk
0: about me. No, yes, like, please yay. tell me. I actually don't know any of my answers yet. I haven't figured it out. <laughs> um, you know, I, so my, my yeah, my mom, my, both my parents uh, worked together, directed uh, porn movies. And my mom is mostly known for her photography. Um, she, she Back when you could make money just being a photographer and shooting for the magazines, that's mostly what she did. Mm-hmm. But they did also make some movies um, in like the early 80s. Which are so hilarious to watch now because they're so, <laughs> <laughs> so terrible. Um, my dad like wrote the scripts. They're like so bad. It's so weird. <laughs> that is so cool that you get to see that. So funny. But you know, I think I wasn't raised with a sense of shame about sex. Mm-hmm. So like for me, that wasn't really part of how I saw the world. I think a lot of the stigma that we come up across is from people who were raised to believe that like sex is sinful, sex is dirty. Sex can only be one specific way and every other way is bad. And so I think that if you're not raised with that idea about sex, then it won't be weird or dirty or gross to you because, you know, we are like, we are who our parents raise us to be, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, we can become adults and we can change how we see the world and and whatever. But um, that that initial hardwiring that we get as a child, I think, really stays with us in in a lot of ways. So I think that you know, if you just if you raise your child with you know a happy childhood, you love them, you teach them, you know, good morals, like how to treat other people and how yeah. to be respectful and, you know, just to be a good person um, and you don't kind of create this whole like drama and mystery and fear around sex. Like your kids aren't going to feel that way because You know, one question I get a lot is people are like, when did you find out what your parents did for a living expecting that I had like this moment of epiphany where it was all revealed and I was so ashamed and and I don't remember that ever happening because I don't think my parents ever really like tried really hard to hide it. I mean, they uh-huh. obviously didn't necessarily expose it to me. It wasn't like, you know, I came to shoots when they were shooting or they were like, hey, look at this movie mom and dad made. Yeah. Um, I just remember as a kid, you know, growing up, understanding that what mom and dad did was they made movies and pictures for grownups. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a grownup. So it you wasn't for them. Yeah, Yeah, it wasn't, it was almost like the same thing as like watching like a rated R movie. You know what I mean? Like it was, you know, like these are, these are for grownups who are too young to Mm -hmm. understand. And, you know, generally when you're a kid, you don't give a fuck what your parents do. (laughs) Do you have
1: memories of like friends not being allowed to come over or like be your friend because their parents didn't like what your parents did? Because that's kind of the kind of thing that I'm more worried about is like other people, not necessarily my kid.
0: So I don't remember specifically like friends not being allowed to come over and stuff like that, but I do remember having to kind of lie about what my parents did for a living Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: reference something else. So I do remember school, there was specifically one school project where I had to write about what my mom did for a living. It was like parents week or something like that. And like my, my dad had to sit down with me and like, help me write out this kind of like sort of lie
1: she's a photographer but she's a photographer but not exactly yeah
0: don't talk about specifically what she does so so that's where the problem with rose was was me not being able to really explain to other people what they did for a living and trying to have to hide that from other people Mm -hmm. and then um but in terms of like how i felt about it yeah, it just didn't it wasn't really that important to me. Now, of course, once I hit puberty and I became interested in sex, then, you know, I started to steal the magazines out of the, the <laughs> office. Um but, you know, like I I feel like I had a really healthy, wonderful child. My parents loved me and they yeah, you know, took us to the beach every weekend and read me a bedtime story every night and Um, spent a lot of time with me and encouraged me and believed in me. And I think that as a parent, like that's all you can really do.
1: That's like your whole job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like all this other shit's like not really as important. Yeah. And I think also too, by the time, you know, we're becoming more progressive as time goes along. Mm -hmm. So I think that by the time, you know, your child is old enough to kind of understand what you do for a living, I feel like society will hopefully, There'll be like less stigma around it. Yeah, so that's what that I'm B hoping is to do. difficult. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the number one sort of comment I see from people is your kid's going to get bullied in school. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everyone gets bullied in school, but also like, why raise your kid to be a bully and like, why accept that of your kid? You know, it's like you're making a huge assumption there that it's that that's also okay and that people shouldn't be taught not to do that either you know it's like I've seen people say like I'm gonna let my kid bully your kid and it's it's like why yeah. You're, you, you clearly follow me you are clearly interested in what I do uh so you know but you can't change everyone you can only do your job and your job is to raise your kid to the best of your ability and give them all the things that you wanted when you were growing up and you know what happens happens
0: yeah. And to be fair, like it, it's a lot different now than it was when I was growing up because when I was growing up, there was no internet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it's going to, you're going to have more, of, I guess, uh, me too. We're going to have more of a challenge because like the internet will allow our children to look up anything.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's something that is going to be interesting because you don't want your kid to find out from a friend at school. You know, you kind of want to be the first one to tell them, but what are you going to tell them when they're seven?
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, right? I know. It's like, what's the appropriate age to bring it up? But it's like kids are (laughs) exposed to, are often exposed to porn at such a young age. Mm -hmm. But maybe, maybe by then there'll be, I don't know, like there'll be better safeguards in place. Um, there won't be such a proliferation of free porn that's so easily accessible. Yeah. Maybe we would have figured out how to manage it better. You know, is, I mean, technology is changing so drastically all the time and, and society is too. I just kind of, I I try not to trip out too much on like something that's so far in the future that yeah. I can't change right now anyways. Yeah. So
1: yeah, I don't I'm not really thinking about it too much right now either. It's like everyone who follows me is thinking about it a lot more than I am. And I'm like, I'll get there when I get there.
0: Yeah. Do you um I know that you've gotten like some blowback about like still doing scenes and stuff while pregnant. How do mm-hmm. you feel about that?
1: I mean I I stopped caring about what people said about the porn stuff kind of a long time ago. <coughs> Sorry. Um, but I already knew that that was coming, you know, like I knew even before I got pregnant that I wasn't going to stop working if I got pregnant, unless I was like deathly ill. But I mean, it's not like all about money, but the amount of money that I'd be throwing away if I just decided to quit my job for nine months when I'm perfectly healthy and perfectly energized it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Like we wouldn't expect the same thing from a woman who works an office job. A lot of women who work in the office will work until the last month of their pregnancy or sometimes even up to their due date. And I mm. get that my job is like, it's my body and it's physical, but I think I look great. I feel great. So I'm just going to keep working.
0: And I think also to society has this kind of bizarre idea about like you know, the mother, like the, which is the Madonna and the whore complex, like Mm -hmm. the mother and the whore, like you're only one or the other. Yeah.
1: You can't be sexual and maternal.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you're a mom, you can't be sexual. You can't have a sex life. If you're sexual, you can't be a mom and you can't be maternal. And that like women can only be one or two of these things. Whereas of course guys like can do whatever they want, but we have been told into a very specific role, which I think is really unfair
1: no, totally. I I mean it's interesting too because there's a huge amount of men who think that women who look motherly and look pregnant are really sexy cuz I mean, yeah. Like if if men are attracted to like fertility, what's a bigger sign of fertility than already being pregnant?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, it's it's interesting too if you want to just look at it from a biological Perspective, the reason that our sex drive is one of the strongest drives that we have as human beings, next to like, you know, a desire to eat, Um, it's to push forward the procreation of the human race. So it's all like entangled in each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, like sex leads to, you know, the fertility of a woman and the fertility of a woman is brought on by sex and it's so it's like I mean really in in the end it's this beautiful cycle and and you know sex is sex is many different things and but in the end it's you know it's a it's a incredibly wonderful intimate experience that can like make a human. Like it's not like we made a person.
1: I still don't believe that until she comes (laughs) out and I see her because it seems unbelievable and impossible. But We're making humans, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. It's just like, it's an incredibly powerful role that a woman has, you know, being able to, to create life. And I don't know if maybe it's like this patriarchal desire to control, um, you know, that power that makes, has made women sexually repressed for centuries, But I think it's a wonderful thing to be able to embrace break out of that, embrace your sexuality as a woman, embrace your power in that as a woman, and then also embrace your maternal side as a woman and and be able to be both things. Like you can be both things.
1: Yeah. I'm really enjoying like shooting and being so liberal with my body. And you Mm -hmm. know, before it's all about like how tiny can I look and How how can I suck my stomach in and and everything about what I do right now is the opposite about of of that. Like there's no there's no reason that I should be super tiny. I cannot suck in my stomach no matter how hard I try. Yeah. Um, And I'm kind of enjoying that because I've never had that much freedom with my body before. I've always just been like watching how I appear all the time. And this is like can allow myself to just look and be the way I am in my natural state.
0: Yeah. I know how you feel. It's actually wonderful because it's the first time that I'm like, I'm pushing my belly out, like trying to make it look larger. Mm-hmm. Normally you're trying to suck it in. So it is a welcome change. That's for sure. Yeah. I
1: had a couple photo shoots and I was like, oh my God, I could eat whatever I want before the photo shoot.
0: This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think, um, what do you think is going to be the easiest thing for you and the most difficult thing for you as a mother?
1: Oh, I think I feel like the hardest thing is going to be trying to figure out how to balance this all because I'm, I think that once the baby's here, I'm going to become all mom and like kind of ignore my business, but the business must go on. Um, so I think that like learning how to balance the two is going to be the hardest thing and like letting go and letting someone else take care of the baby Um, what's going to be easy? God, I've never really thought about that because I think it's just going to be such a big adjustment, but.
0: Or what do you think you're going to be the best at as a mom? Mm. Maybe it's a better way to phrase it.
1: I don't know. I just know, like, I I know how how I am with Adam and I like know all his cues so well when he's like needs something. And I feel like that's probably going to be how I am with the baby. So that. Like, reading the baby's cues and the baby's needs and wants will hopefully be the easiest thing for me.
0: So, like, a very, you'll be a very intuitive mother.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: And then same question about Adam. What do you think is going to be the hardest for th- thing for him as a father? Or maybe, like, what's he going to be the worst at? And then what do you think he's going to be the best at?
1: I think he's going to be the best at making her laugh, for sure, because he's just such a goofball. But I think everything is going to be brand new for him and he's going to learn so much because he he decided he wanted kids once he met his nephews and he you know they lived on the East Coast so he didn't get to meet them until they were not newborns anymore. They were more babies. They were a little bit older and so he hasn't really been around a newborn and I don't think he knows how much attention they need and how easily they wake up because he's just like a noisy, he gets out of bed. Kind of guy makes a lot of noise, and I think that like there's gonna be so many little adjustments that he's gonna have to make and realize like okay, it's all about this this little thing that just cries all the time right now.
0: Mm-hmm. What is he the most afraid of? Afraid of
1: I think that he, he probably feels the same way about the balance thing. Like he has so many things that he wants to do in his personal life and his business life and he has all these interests and he wants to do way more. And I think for him, it's going to be figuring out like, okay, how do I balance my time so that I could be the best dad, the best businessman, you know, the best, and just all these different facets of his life.
0: Yeah. You want to know what like my husband's greatest fear is? What is it? Is that I'm going to die in labor. Be in labor? Okay. I sometimes worry about that, even though it's totally stupid because- <laughs> there was like. That never entered my mind until you said that thing so long did
1: he do that to you.
0: I'm like, I'm not gonna fucking die. Like You're gonna have one contraction and he's gonna
1: be like, It's it's happening. He's free, he's gonna start freaking out.
0: <laughs> he does do that. Like, even when I like get up, you know, like in the middle of the night, I get up to pee or I have to like roll over in bed because you know it's hard to get comfortable. He'll be like, he'll wake up and be like, Are you okay? Do you need anything? Are you okay? I'm oh like, I'm fine. Just you know, I'm good. I like I just have to pee. Like I have to pee like five times a night. Like you Adam know needs it.
1: a little bit of that. Adam thinks I'm totally fine all the time. I'm like, hey, can you help me carry this like really heavy thing? He's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got you. Like he just like forgets that I'm pregnant sometimes.
0: I think it was like that for him at the beginning because I am very like independent. I'm I'm pretty strong and uh-huh. I never really asked for his help with stuff. But then like once I started to become noticeably like slowing down and and stuff like he started to realize that like. He okay, really needs, needs help. Too. <laughs> yeah, she really needs help. And it, it's weird, too, because his, like, best fr- – all of his best friends, like, literally four of his closest friends all had babies in the last, like, six months. Is really bizarre. Oh, wow. So I think they've all been telling him, like, okay, you know, this is what your wife's going to need and that kind of stuff. So – but, uh, yeah, I've definitely noticed, like, a marked change in, in how he is towards me now.
1: How How lucky is it that we don't feel super emotional because – I feel like people talk about that a lot and even a couple of Adam's friends who already have kids have asked him like, Hey, are you guys like having any crazy fights? And I don't know if it's the happy hormones or what, but I feel like very even keeled and I feel like our relationship's never been better. So I don't know. Everything everyone told me about pregnancy doesn't happen to be true yet.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, he definitely, you know, got warned about like the pregnancy hormones and you know, the over emotionality and, and, you know, like my sister-in-law, like I said, I would see her a lot and I would walk in sometimes and she'd just be crying. And I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, uh, I don't know. And I've had none of that. Like yeah. I had one, like kind of, I've had like two like kind of emotional moments and they uh-huh. were both like, because I just was so frustrated with my inability to uh-huh. like do something physically. Um. So, but yeah, no, I've had like, I haven't really had any emotional mood swings and I feel really fortunate. I about feel very that. rational and logical. Same. <laughs> I feel great. <laughs> Same. I just think we're just really good at this. Yeah. We're, we're built for this. Okay. So um, let's uh, shift gears. Okay. We've, we've been talking about pregnancy. pregnancy for like 45 minutes, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> All of my male listeners have fucking logged off by now. Yeah. They're like, am Let's talk about let's talk about OnlyFans. Actually, let's talk about how you got into what you're doing now because you didn't really ever do like mainstream porn. You've kind of always been a solo independent content producer, which is kind of like the ultimate dream for most uh, sex workers now. So, tell me about your journey on how you got to where you are today.
1: Um I mean, I started posting like bikini photos on Instagram and they started getting some traction. I think back when I started doing this was like 2016 and I think it was a lot easier to like get on the Explorer page just for looking cute. I mean, you could still do that, but it's a lot harder as like a sex worker because you get shadow banned and whatever. But back then um, I just started getting followers and I didn't have like, like a lot or anything. I had maybe like 20,000 or something, but people started asking me about, my private Snapchat. What's your private Snapchat? And I was like, "What the hell is a private Snapchat?" I used to call it Chat Snap for so long. I didn't even know how to say it right. I Wait, like was a really this? late bloomer to social media.
0: When like, when is this? Like people are because the private Snapchat thing, I feel is sort of new.
1: Mm, I was or doing it in twenty sixteen. So okay, so like four years ago. Okay,
0: I was doing it, like, I, I
1: had my own website built so that I could sell my private Snapchat on it because I, I didn't know about, like, Fancentro and all the other ones where you can sell your Snapchat on back then. But, um, yeah, I was really late to social media, like, after college. It was, like, a year after college that I got social media. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, people just kept asking me what my private Snapchat was. And eventually, I just, like, gave in because it I was looking at the numbers and I was you know, pretty, pretty positive that I was going to be financially successful at it. And I was really miserable at my job. So I just decided to start it and I did really well my first month. And I, and I was like excited, but also really nervous. Didn't want to do anything with my money because I was like, there's no way this is going to keep happening. You know, this is like a weird life hack and I've just gotten really lucky
0: and I got to start saving all this money because it just doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So what did you start doing? Like, were you just posting nudes or like, were you starting to do sex scenes? Like, what was that first step that you made?
1: It was like a couple photos of my old boobs in the bath, like very mild, very, um, I was really like nervous. I didn't talk that much. I just like kind of would play music and make little cute videos of my body. And that was pretty much it back then. I didn't even really consider that you could like work with other people and film it at the time. I I did that for like a long while. Um, And then I started dating Adam. And as soon as like the first night him and I hooked up, we just were like filming each other. We just thought it was hot. Um, And so I think that's probably how I got into the the idea of like shooting with other people and filming with other people was just because him and I were doing it in our personal life. And Yeah. And then I had like a threesome with a girl and like him and like, that was really successful. And that's like a year later. But then, then I realized, okay, like this is the thing to do is to like make videos with other people. This is what people really like to see. And like, I I had a girlfriend in college. Like I was always into, you know, trying new things and just like, I was into women too. So for me, it just kind of came naturally to like work with other women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then, then from, from Snapchat, only fans because people snapchat kept getting deleted all the time so i just kind of like evolved in that sense kind of went with what platform made more sense for me mm-hmm. and i feel like i would hear a lot of bad things about only fans so i didn't join earlier but yeah. i'm really upset that i didn't join earlier because i'm like the platform's a lot easier to use than snapchat because you have to like upload content every 24 hours and, Yeah, I can't.
0: I'm so bad at my Snapchat.
1: And it would I get can't. so de- I would get deleted all. I've been deleted like 10, 20 times. I mean, my my original Snapchat had like over 600,000 viewers and, you know, when you lose that and it's hard to rebuild, you kind of just feel mm-hmm. like very defeated. But so I'm I'm very grateful to have like a platform that I can use that I'm not constantly worrying about getting shut down on. Yeah. But, this is yeah i mean if it took i guess i started my only fans like last september
0: yeah mm-hmm. So and then and it's been obviously really successful for you
1: yeah i mean i'm enjoying it honestly i'm like so happy that i can have this backlog of all of the content i've made in the last four years and just upload my new content but also like take a day off and not worry about uploading something new because it's not going to disappear
0: yeah, that's that's the thing that's really frustrating about Snapchat. Because for me, I'm definitely like a scheduling person. I like to sit down, spend an hour, schedule out a bunch of shit, and then like not have to worry about it. Yeah. I do, I do find it annoying that you can't schedule DMs on OnlyFans. That you can. That hate me. Can you?
1: Ske- yeah, you can schedule messages. It's a new feature. I would say it's like a, like less than a month old. <laughs> I can show you after. Like, yeah,
0: because I'm after. like... Yeah, because that would be amazing. Because also, yeah. too, just like I'm trying to schedule everything in anticipation of the baby. Because when the baby comes, like I expect to be able to do nothing. Well, they um, do sleep.
1: I've heard. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But then you have to sleep because apparently the only time you get to sleep is when they <laughs> sleep. Is when they
1: sleep, that's not happening. So, <laughs> I
0: don't are you a sleep. good are you a good napper?
1: Terrible napper.
0: If See, the sun the is up, napper. I
1: can't. Nap. I can't
0: sleep. I'm all. I'm the. I'm the queen of the naps. Oh. I'm. I'm just going to nap all the time. You. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good skill to have. I have to admit, this is actually the first time that it's ever um, been something that might be like beneficial and, and come in handy. My husband's the same. We're both nappers. So oh, I'm, we're I'm like-, like,
1: give me that extra cup of coffee. <laughs> I just pushed through. <laughs>
0: So, um, and I know you've done videos like kind of, uh, giving tips about OnlyFans. So what, what would be some of like your biggest tips for somebody new who's looking to get on the platform?
1: Somebody new. So I made that video because when I came onto OnlyFans, um, I didn't, I, I couldn't figure out the platform. It's confusing. Like even now there's like a feature that you're not aware of, you know, yeah, because it's like, of. it, you really have to like go and explore the platform to figure things out. But um, that video that I made mostly talks about like making the welcome message and like what kind of services you can offer. And I always give the, the caution of like, you know, if you're, if you, if you're new and you want to start an OnlyFans, like don't just like think about it for a long time, because it's kind of a big decision depending on what kind of content you're going to do. Like I started, I had my, my, I mean, my family only found my Instagram and they were mad back in the day, you know, it's like, they didn't talk to me for like, between six months and a year. So I feel like almost every new creator who decides that they're going to do this goes through that sort of period. Mm-hmm. So my biggest piece of advice is like, you know, really think about it. Think about like, if you're okay with your family finding out and like, think about like why you want to do it. Like, do you think you're going to want to do it just because you, you think it's easy money because it's really not like you only make money when you make new content. And so you constantly have to be making new content using your body. Is that something you're comfortable with? Is that something that you want to do? And in the beginning, I didn't really think about it that way. It just kind of evolved and progressed from, you know, me taking a bikini photo on Instagram into me doing, you know, like real porn type content with other performers. But yeah, that's my, probably my biggest piece of advice is if you're, if you're new is just like really think about how you want to spend your days. And if you do want to spend your days taking a bunch of photos of yourself and scheduling all your content and like, that's what you like, cause you have to sign up for like a real, it's like kind of like a real job. It takes as much time as it sometimes.
0: Yeah. I think that's a big mistake that a lot of girls make is that they think that, especially now, like in this only fans gold rush that we're experiencing yeah, that you can just jump on the platform and all of a sudden you're going to be making millions of dollars and it's, it's, that's not true. The platform's super flooded. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have a pretty decent social media following. Yeah. I would think even then to push your, to push people there. And yeah, it's a lot of work. You got to interact with your fans. Almost um, all
1: of my DMS are, I made an only fans, but I have no subscribers. Can you please help me? Like yeah. almost every single one of my messages. So, you know, it looks like a get rich quick scheme, but it's not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 work just like everything else. Yeah. So um, unless, of course, you're Bella Thorne and you've uh, signed up and then you've made a million dollars in 24 hours.
1: I just can't believe that she said that. Like, I don't I don't see the point of telling everyone how much money you made in a pandemic when there's like over 50 million people without jobs.
0: Yeah, it is. It does seem to feel a little bit uh, like showboating. But she's and, not the
1: only one who's done it. Like a lot of people join OnlyFans and I guess they're also shocked about how much money they can make and they yeah. put it out there. But
0: I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It does feel a little bit unfair. I mean, it got her all the headlines, but then of course, for those of you who aren't aware and if you aren't, I'm surprised because it's fucking all over the news. Um, So Bella made a million dollars in 24 hours, supposedly on her OnlyFans, but she did it by, misleading people, we will say, into the kind of content that she was selling. She was selling a picture for $200, which was a locked photo. So you can't see it unless you pay for it. Mm -hmm. And she said that it was a nude photo. And um, turns out it was nude technically, but it was implied nude, which is not what people were expecting. So what happened was a lot of people charged their money back. And, um, the problem with chargebacks is that it's actually really bad for credit card processors. A lot of websites go through a lot of lengths to avoid chargebacks. Um, because if you get a ton of chargebacks, Visa or MasterCard can pull your account. And that is absolutely devastating for a website because that's your payment processor. Um, I think American Express is not accepted on OnlyFans. I think they they pulled out. So, mm. so if you lose your Visa and your MasterCard accounts, it's a huge problem. So chargebacks are a big issue for websites. So supposedly OnlyFans immediately put a cap on how much people were allowed to charge for messages or get tipped, which interfered with a lot of other sex workers and how much they were charging for special custom videos and things like that. But um, I... I I try not to – I try to, like, sit back and kind of wait for the information to come out Mm -hmm. rather than, like, jump to conclusions immediately. So I've just been kind of, like, watching what's happening. And supposedly OnlyFans is saying that this cap that they put on is temporary and it's not specifically due to Bella. Is that – I kind of wonder wonder
1: if they were, like, planning on doing this and then they kind of just did it at at a bad
0: time. Mm. Um. Because I am a little bit surprised that there isn't a cap on there because yeah. that is something that a lot of websites would do simply to avoid the chargeback yeah, issues. Yeah, any sort of Again. issues. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I got in trouble for speaking on it, but I spoke on it like before the stuff about this fake documentary came out and the stuff mm. about her scamming came out. I just think that, like, any... I mean, it's... it's Obviously, the, the, the platform is flooded with sex workers, but it's not... It's not a it's not a porn platform. It's like a platform mm. for any influencer to sell privatized social media content to their fans. And so I kind of was commenting on the sort of territorialism that was going on about the platform mm. because I think the more people who have OnlyFans accounts, the better it is because it just seems like a lot of the problems that I had with my private Snapchat website was like, is this a scam? Is am I going to get like what's going to be written on my credit card statement, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, the more well known a website becomes, and the most more trusted a website becomes, I think it could be better for every user on the platform. And I don't think that Bella Thorne having an OnlyFans takes away from me having an OnlyFans because we're we're selling completely different products to completely Mm -hmm. different
0: people, you know. Yeah, Um, it's just it's just of course when you're misrepresenting what you're selling. Yeah. And that's That's
1: never. Okay. Never. That's never. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wonder if like this really, the changes really are because of her or if they are just what they were going to already do, like as a safety Mm -hmm. precaution for the website. But, um, I mean, I'm still of the opinion that any, any big influencer who wants to join the platform should join the platform and I welcome Mm -hmm. them. I just don't think that anyone should scam, obviously. And I think that yeah. people, just because I was in support of her joining, took it to mean that I was in support of her scamming, which I wasn't. And I, and I commented that like days before all the other stuff came out. She could have joined and never said anything about a documentary. It wouldn't have mattered. You yeah. know, it just, she didn't have right. to say all
0: that. Right. Yeah, that was a little bit.
1: And Me she could have also too. just like not said she could have she could have actually sent a nude photo or just said I'm not doing nude at all and charged less for her photos and yeah. not told everyone how much she makes which it just seems like
0: tasteless yeah. yeah yeah kind of it seems it feels like she definitely went about it the wrong way I think that like what a lot of people's concern is in the community and I totally totally understand this is just that like. There's a history of like sex workers getting on a specific platform, generating a lot of traffic because of who they are, because of like the public's interest in it, and then being pushed off of that platform once that platform has reached a certain level where they have a lot of like mainstream traffic, or maybe they have stockholders that have come in and they want nothing to do with porn Mm -hmm. anymore. You know, Tumblr, I mean, Instagram, really. Uh, Snapchat, all of those things. And I think that like in this pandemic, especially OnlyFans has become this incredible resource for all of these sex workers to become independent and to be able to make their own money and finally feel like they have some financial freedom and they have hope for their career and their future and they don't have to slave and they don't have to work for companies they don't want to work for anymore. So I think it felt like it was this amazing gift they've been given and then it's been like snatched away and that they might lose it like they've lost these other platforms. I mean you talked about, you know, your Snapchat getting deleted like ten
1: times.
0: And I'm not sure if that's gonna happen, but I can totally understand everybody's trepidation with that. Yeah, I understand everyone's fear around that. I mean,
1: I don't think Snapchat was Snapchat was never approving of porn being on their platform. It was all done low key, like, you know, breaking the rules sort of thing. I do get that, you know, I have a deal I have the problem where I get deleted off um, or things removed from my Instagram all the time before, back when I first started my Instagram page, I would get my page shut down multiple times a year. So I understand the concern there. I don't, I mean, I think that, I don't think that we're really ever going to be pushed off of OnlyFans, but I don't think that OnlyFans is going to promote itself as a sex worker platform, even if sex workers built it.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know, you're right actually, because when you when you think about it, if you look at the terms of service on Snapchat, I think it specifically says like no porn. It's completely illegal by their terms. Yeah. And then on OnlyFans, they have like a list of like what is okay to post. No peeing, news. no pooping. Yeah, but I, like I
1: can't even type in the word choke. Like there are specific rules for things that you can do and cannot do. You know, you
0: can't use the word diapers on there either. You can't use the word lactate, but diapers is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because
1: people, people are like oh,
0: pedophilia. You, I get, I guess so. Um, Anything, any
1: words associated with a baby maybe are just like a no go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're right. But uh, so I, I, I hope, and I would think, I mean, look like only fans is us let's be serious, OnlyFans is making most of their fucking money off of sex workers. Totally. So, if they, you know, even if you just want to look at them as, like, some greedy corporate entity, like, they're not going to drop their main source of income. But I can yeah. totally understand, like, people's fear around that. And, you know, like, just in general, the the, the adult work community has been, has been so, like, stigmatized and marginalized and pushed off this platform and pushed off that platform. Mm-hmm. I can totally understand everyone's concerns around it, but you're right. I just don't, it never want,
1: platform. I just don't ever want anyone to think like, Oh, Holly Randall has the only fans. Therefore my only fans will suffer. And because and I feel right. like there's so much already so much competition between girls and between women. And I don't want that narrative to be pushed because we're not selling, big, we're totally different products. If you want to call us that, you know, yeah. it's like someone who's a fan of you, is not necessarily subscribing to you and not going to subscribe. They're not going to subscribe to me because they're not necessarily fans of me. And so mm-hmm. it's not like, like I saw someone trying to make the argument of like, well, people have limited money and if they're spending it on Bella Thorne, then we're losing. And it's like, they're not here for you. They're here for Bella. Like it's just totally different audiences. You know, it's a fan driven website. There's no Explorer page, no home page. It's all about, who's already following you on your specific platform.
0: Yeah, no, I totally, um, I absolutely see your point and And I agree with you. And I see everybody's everybody's point. I think it's just, you know, one of those situations where there's this unwelcome sudden change in people's income that they really depend on. And it's just, it's scary. You know, it's scary the idea of having that you know that taken away from you especially in like these horribly uncertain times when mm-hmm. you know most people have lost their jobs and and we don't know wh- we don't know what the fuck is happening in the world you know like everything's very uncertain yeah and everything's scary right now and and it's just an unprecedented time so so i understand everybody's fear and panic and i i totally get all sides so um but it's also a wonderful time for for us yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah because we get to we get to bring these beautiful lives into the world. So thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you. I can't wait to um, see your baby pictures
0: and then know that mine's coming out like the next week. <laughs> and well, you never know. I mean, it's so funny, you know, people's like your due date's only a guess. So yeah. you could actually give birth before me. I mean, That's true. You know, that could definitely happen. So <laughs> Well, I wish you the best of luck. Um, You're a brave woman for doing a home birth. I considered it. But then apparently, as a geriatric pregnancy, I was advised against it.
1: I'm petitioning for a new terminology to be like used in the medical industry for your type of birth, because that's unfair.
0: Yeah, it, would be, you know, it makes me feel like I'm 80. Like, You're not. I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm halfway there, but I'm not there yet. Uh, so... Just in case people don't already know, Lena, where can they find you online? Um,
1: I'm at Lena the Plug on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. And if you want to see my OnlyFans or anything like that, all the links for that are usually on my Twitter.
0: Fantastic. And you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter. And if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Holly unfiltered. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Lena again for your time. Thank you. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. You can also financially support this show through my Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Unfiltered, where you get so many perks for your support. Things such as early releases and live recordings of my interviews, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, autographed copies of my photography books, free access to my private Snapchat and not safe for work website, hollyrandall.com, and my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life. Also, join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash hollyrandall unfiltered. And you can watch the video versions of these interviews at youtube.com slash Unfiltered. Oh, and of course, sign up for my newsletter at hollyrandallunfiltered.com and get all the info on upcoming guests and special projects. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting my podcast in whatever way that you can. Next week on the podcast, I have journalist and senior editor of Reason Magazine, Elizabeth Nolan Brown. We are going to talk about a pretty controversial subject that has been all over the news and especially in many memes that are shared and shared again on social media, and that is sex trafficking. Is it everything that we've been led to believe it is? Is it as huge of a problem as Facebook shares are telling us it is, are these crazy numbers like 300,000 children sex trafficked a year, are those accurate? Uh, Spoiler alert, they're not. So we're going to talk about a very important subject, a very serious subject, but it's hopefully something that we'll be able to tackle without the kind of mass panic and hysteria and misinformation that's circulating online right now. So make sure that you come back next week for Elizabeth Nolan Brown on Holly Randall Unfiltered.